0: Welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Today's guest is Drew Plutner of Charlotte, North Carolina. For today's episode, Drew chose what is likely the most recent show for any guest. If you leave out any of the recap episodes, he picked August 6th, 2021 at Deer Creek. The summer 2021 tour was an odd time for fish and fish fans. It was really an odd time for the world at large. This was the postponed 2020 tour, and fans didn't know what to expect in terms of large gatherings, in terms of further postponements or cancellations, or in terms of our individual comfort levels. In a way, it was kind of like those old illustrations in biology textbooks of early man kind of creeping out of his cave as we hopefully started our exit of the pandemic back into normal gatherings. And luckily for us, fish tends to deliver their best when we venture into the unexpected. Drew was a fairly new fan as he first got into the band in 2018, and these two shows at Deer Creek in 2021 was when he felt the most prepared and ready to go as a fan. He came in knowing his stuff, and he picked a good weekend for it, because this Friday night show, August 6, 2021, delivers the goods. There were great jams, especially in the first set, fan favorite songs, and tons of crowd energy. It made it feel like 2020 never happened. I was unfamiliar with this Deer Creek run before Drew chose it, and I'm grateful to him for opening my eyes and my ears to this special show. So let's join Drew to talk about country music, 2.0 versus 3.0 versus 4.0, and the coin toss that is lot food, as we discuss Fish's show from August 6, 2021 at Deer Creek Amphitheater. Drew, welcome to Attendance Bias. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so happy to have you for a number of reasons. Number one, you picked a show that I think is the most recent show compared to when an episode is recorded. And that show is August 6, 2021 at Deer Creek. So we are recording right now, right in the middle of Fish's Summer Tour 2022 in the beginning of August. So you are almost one year on the anniversary of the show you chose.
1: Very Yeah, very close. Um,
0: Does it feel like a year?
1: In some ways, yeah. In some ways, no. You know, when Fish's Tour comes around every summer, it kind of feels like the buildup. It kind of feels like a year. Yeah, honestly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just got back from a big vacation, my honeymoon, and it was pretty far out. We were in Alaska, and so you don't always get good reception in Alaska, depending on where you are. And so fish was going on. Whenever I was able to get social media up on my phone, everyone and everything was fish, (laughs) everything. And I was just, I I forgot that during summer, there's a whole nother world out there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I was gonna, I remember when we were setting up the recording, you told me you were going on vacation and it was a long one. So I was, I was gonna ask, but honeymoon, congratulations.
0: Thank you. It was it was wild. But that's probably for another podcast, a different <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, so talking about August 6th, 2021 at Deer Creek, we'll get into it. Jams galore. I'm so excited that you picked this because sometimes over a summer tour when the shows aren't local, I kind of just pick at the best jams from each show as opposed to listening straight through or doing couch tour for ones that are in different time zones. But giving me the opportunity to listen to this show straight through. We'll start off before the lightning round. I'll just say, thank you. Yeah,
1: of course. I, I mean, I got, we'll get into it, but I got pretty lucky going to this show.
0: Um, sure sure and, did. I'm,
1: and, um, uh, yeah. I'm just excited to recap it and really talk about it.
0: Good. Before we get to it though, let's hear about you for the attendance bias lightning round. Attendance bias lightning round. So, Drew, when was your first fish show?
1: My first fish show was August tenth, twenty eighteen, in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, which was a pretty great show, I would say. I mean, I don't know if you know much about it. Um, I don't know. It was a good a good second set. I've re listened to it, but at that point, I had figured out about fish about a month prior. So I really didn't know that much. I mean, I knew like a few songs and I just knew that fish was something that caught my attention when I first heard them. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to the show and rally. Um, What's
0: your origin story? Who got you into it? Or how did you figure it out about them?
1: One of my friends that summer, we were riding around in the car back home and he, he knew about fish. I don't really know how, but he was like, I remember that he said, uh, I don't really know how to describe him, but this might give you a good idea. And then he played Iculus from Hunta that album. And I immediately was hooked. I was like, captivated. I was like, I need to hear more. And from there, I just dug in. They were playing. I mean, not even a month later, they played in Raleigh and I saw the show and that really just kicked off my Fish fandom
0: what were some of your best memories? Like what got to you at that show?
1: I remember the lot made a big impression on me just and just how many people were there, how laid back it was and like kind of inclusive. Like, I don't know, some concerts you go to are like kind of rowdy and nobody's paying attention to the music and everything, but everybody seemed to be like locked in, uh, Talkative. It was just different. I, I really loved it from the from the minute
0: I was there. How old are you? And what shows were you going to before you went to your first fish show? What type of music?
1: Twenty four.
0: I'm twenty four years
1: old. And I mean, I didn't. Not many. Like, I mean, country concerts. Like, you know, music was fish. Kind of changed the way I viewed music because music was never. A huge part of my life i mean like my parents always my parents like like john denver and jim croce and some old stuff and i always loved that stuff but i had never really like dug into classic rock and that sort of thing before fish and fish kind of opened up this whole world to me i'm always going to be grateful for that
0: uh, what was your most recent show and what did you think of it
1: my most recent show was last Saturday at Meriwether Post. <laughs> <laughs> I went I went to the Raleigh show, so back at the same venue as my first show, and then I made the trek up to D.C. with a friend. And I liked that show a lot. I liked Meriwether Post a lot. We got some, I don't know if you've looked at the set list at all.
0: Um, I, uh, I actually went to a bar near my apartment who was uh, webcasting it. It was okay. a really good show.
1: It was a good show. I, I mean the, the first set had some really cool songs that I honestly I didn't know when I'd see a lot of those songs and I saw them. I saw them all in one show. What were some
0: of the bust outs that you really appreciated?
1: The lizards.
0: Yeah, the close the first set, right?
1: Yep, to close the first set. Shafty, which there was some controversy <laughs> about. <laughs> but but it seems like uh fish net has got that under control. If I could, I really like that song. And I feel like they don't play that all the time. So, and then Strawberry Letter also. Those four were really, really stood out.
0: Next question. What is something you must have on you when you go into a show?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll be boring and just say water. (laughs) Water is pretty key. Uh, You
0: got to start somewhere.
1: Especially, yeah. I mean, especially every show I've seen has been in... July or August, one in June, and they've all been outdoors and I've been on the lawn every time.
0: (laughs) Um, And also it sounds like in the south.
1: In the south mostly, and it's hot. I mean, you yeah, you gotta even if that's a boring answer, it's my answer.
0: (laughs) That's you know what, that's an educational answer for some people. I'm a a teacher, you gotta start at the basics. If you're not hydrated, the rest of the show is not gonna go well for you.
1: (laughs) No, it's not, yeah. It's
0: essential. What is the best meal you ever had on tour? This
1: is a funny answer that kind of changed last weekend. There's a guy on lot and I feel kind of bad outing him because some people probably know him, but he sells bacon grilled cheese. And the first or the second show I went to, I had that meal on lot and I just thought it was awesome. So I saw him again in Raleigh and I was like, okay, I got to get this again. I pretty much stayed up that whole night throwing up. <laughs> I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe uh, he didn't properly refrigerate some of his food, which you know, I mean, it's what do you expect? I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's you got to get an
0: education somehow.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot, I guess, ordering food online. But I mean, it was still good. I got over it pretty fast. So I guess that, that could be the best and worst meal I've had. Um, fair
0: fair <laughs> enough. What is your most controversial fish opinion?
1: I, uh, I I don't know if this is super controversial. I just, I love 2.0 2.0. It often gets like forgotten about and even marginalized just because of how short it is. I felt weird writing that down. as controversial because I do hear a lot of people praising 2.0. Um, but I, I think it deserves more respect. Some people say that it's sloppy. you know the band wasn't healthy, which might be true, but I think it's a very interesting period.
0: It's a conversation that's been going on since since 2003. You know it's kind of like middle child syndrome or a generation X of fish. Like two 2.0 is kind of its own thing. 2003 yeah. was wonderful and 2004 was <laughs> less than wonderful we could say yeah. and so it kind of depends on where you fall on it i almost just said
1: 2003 because 2004 is what it is but you can't i mean it's 2.0 and there are great yeah. shows in 2004 also i mean there's there's some good stuff there so i'll just say
0: 2.0 what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a fish show
1: So this night, actually, I did not see it, but people were saying that there was a naked guy running around on the lawn that took security a while to catch. I didn't. It could have been a rumor. I don't know. But (laughs) but really. um, Any fish show you go to, and this is something that struck me at the first fish show I went to, um, is that there's no shortage of personalities and weird outfits and just I mean, it's ultimate people watching and it's it's great
0: whenever i take someone or meet someone who's new you know it's their first show i always say if you don't like the music just look at the people and the night will be worth it no matter what
1: yeah easy- <laughs> easily
0: and i think about what you just told me about cops or security trying to catch that naked guy the problem that i have is the tried to imagine all the times that they got within an arm's reach and didn't get them <laughs> probably a lot
1: <laughs> that I, the funny thing is that i picture him just laughing and just having so much fun while, they, while they're
0: just yeah it's a game it's like my dog with a tennis ball yeah <laughs> exactly
1: when was this show played
0: so getting into this show 8 at deer creek Let's time travel a little bit back to the summer of 2021 when fish was new again, where people can say, talk about controversial fish opinions 4.0 or a continuation of 3.0, where that argument was happening in real time during this tour. So, this was the seventh show into this very highly anticipated summer 2021 tour, which was completely postponed from 2020. And this tour was made up of 22 shows total. It began in Arkansas moved across the southeast to Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and then came to Deer Creek. After Deer Creek, the band went east for five shows, two in Hershey and the weekend in Atlantic City. I was at those three shows. Those were the only ones I saw in 2021. And then the tour culminated on the West Coast, another three-show run at the Gorge, two at Shoreline, and then, of course, the Labor Day run at Dick's. And my strongest memories from the tour, whether I was in Atlantic City or at home, kind of monitoring it from above, were the influx of new songs. And like any group of new songs, I didn't know what to think about them yet. They had to grow on me. I've been feeling this way since 2003, basically. My controversial fish opinion is I don't love Walls of the Cave. OK, well, because, well, it was new. Well, later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. A lot of people have the same exact reaction as you. But <laughs> but it was in 2003. It's the same. It was the same feeling as when they debut. I never needed you like this before. Like it was that kind of I don't know if I like this yet. It's got to grow on me. But in 2021, they had a big batch of new songs. Um, just some off the top of my head where I never needed you like this before. Mull, evolve a wave of hope. Lonely Trip, you know, and also the big passionate era of, is this 4.0? There were a ton of great jams, this new style of jamming with groups centered and slow build. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But other than that, it's almost too recent for me to develop any perspective. Like it's too new. It's got to settle. To start off, where are you on the 3.0, 4.0 debate?
1: Honestly, I don't really care all that
0: much. Yeah, who does, Fish is, you know, it's the same thing. Fish is serious business. Did they play Shafty?
1: Yeah. But I do think, but I do think it's funny. Um, I would lean towards 4.0 just cause it was a, I mean, it was a break that they didn't really plan, which I guess might be a case for it still being 3.0, but I mean, it was it was a pretty substantial break. And then I feel like coming back, there's a difference in the way that the band sounds. So those those two things make me think maybe 4.0 has a
0: case. And by the time this show rolled around, who were you? What was going on in your life at the time?
1: I had just graduated college. I finished an internship in July. Um, So I was kind of in limbo um, waiting to get a job. But late July and pretty much all of August were just me devoted to listening to mo- like most of these shows and uh, just really diving into this tour.
0: What was your perspective on Fish? I mean, you were fairly new to them, but not brand new.
1: I I think it's one of the stronger years of, and I wrote this down, is it 3.0 or is it 4.0? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I think it's one of the stronger years of the modern era. Um, maybe that's because I listened to every show and I had never done that before. And I was just like really invested in them in a way that I hadn't been for tours prior.
0: Um, well, I was wondering because I think a lot of fans have the honeymoon period. You know, you just get into Fish, you see a couple shows and they can do no wrong no matter what. Even if they play songs that everyone hates you still think it's the best show ever. Would, would you consider this, was this still in your honeymoon phase or did you kind of have a more critical year at this point?
1: 2021 was probably still in my honeymoon phase. And then I would say by the fall, I started having more of a critical year. And then this summer I've definitely had, like I have <laughs> that I don't, shows and songs that I don't really care for. I mean, I've heard, you know, I've heard a lot of fish at this point. I still think it was good. I I don't know. It it was my first tour as a real fan. Real in quotations. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I should say, but so it was exciting for me. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. And so of all the shows you've seen so far, and even more micro than that, the jams that you've heard, why do you have attendance bias toward August 6th, 2021 at Deer Creek?
1: Really, I guess. For what I just said, I mean, I was anticipating the show for a long time and they delivered in a big way. I mean, in a bigger way than I thought I was, I made a long trip up there and I was kind of worrying about if it would be just a forgettable show. And it definitely wasn't.
0: Was this the only show or these the only shows that you saw that year? Yeah. And how long is it from Charlotte? to Deer Creek. I mean, that's to me in my head, that seems like a 20 hour drive. Am I wrong?
1: If you don't stop, it's like 10, but it's really like 12. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it was a long drive. And unfortunately I couldn't see any of the, I missed the Atlanta shows and a lot of those Southern shows just because of scheduling. I was finishing up my internship. I just couldn't really make them. So I was like, I was talking to my friend and I was like, I want to go to some shows and Deer Creek kind of stood out as a weekend I could do. So
0: what's your experience at Deer Creek? It's a venue I've never been to. So it only exists in my mind from pictures that I've seen and shows that I've heard about. Tell me what I would expect if I were to go there tomorrow for a fish show. I
1: thought it was awesome. I thought that one thing about a lot of venues, especially in the South is that the, the parking and like the, logistics of the venue don't always make sense but Deer Creek just kind of has it down to a T I mean they make it very enjoyable and then that combined with I mean Deer Creek just has a pretty long history not just with Fish but with other bands so you kind of feel like you're in a special place the venue itself is kind of just a shed with a lawn but it's still I mean it's cool to be there I liked it
0: Set one. So the show opens with Karini and my first thought when I saw the set list, listen to it, this is maybe a little bit of projection, but my first instinct is when they open with Karini, they're saying, buckle up. They're saying, get ready. We're here to play tonight.
1: That was definitely the feeling I got. <laughs> um, I love that as an opener that, that I think that was the feeling. Cause I was, I was anticipating. I was like, what are they going to open with? And, when you heard Carini, it was like, yeah, it's on.
0: And they start jamming this almost right away. Within three minutes, they start jamming. There's a little bit of uh, psychedelic guitar. It's kind of wandering. Uh, the piano page takes the lead around five minutes in. And it's almost like they decide, oh, wait, this is the show opener. We got to go back to the song. Let's not blow it just yet. And that's a good sign.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I wrote down, I thought that they, some Carini's, uh, you know they they can go deep and dark pretty quick but this one this one went to kind of like a major upbeat jam pretty quick and stayed there for around 5 minutes which was awesome Like you said, it was like, they're like, this is the opener. We're just
0: setting. (laughs) And they follow it up with Wolfman's brother, which I think is like the number two hitter of 3.0. They, I don't know. I don't have the stats for how often they play it in this two spot.
1: I mean, it fits there. I I don't know the stats on that very, very well.
0: I don't know, but this is a good version of Wolfman's brother. It's not going to stand out on any jam chart, but Trey's vocals are very strong. It sounds like throughout this tour, he'd been practicing the whole time that they were off in 2020 and it comes home to roost here. Like they were ready to play and there's uh, the whole thing like switches gears that are on seven minutes. They keep going back to like spacey exploration. That was kind of the, the name of the game, this whole show.
1: Yeah, definitely. Is Um, that
0: your kind of jamming?
1: I honestly am kind of a bigger fan of like the funkier side that it takes on early And I don't I don't mind them going into more of a spacey uh, part. I think I think both of those styles of jamming um, really have a way of showcasing everybody in the band.
0: Yeah, it gives them a lot of space. Yes. So anyone could jump forward at any time. And then they're ready to to say, all right, the beginning of the show, we've got the formalities out of the way. We did the introduction, the opener. We did the second song. Now let's dig deep. And they play sand that fish.net describes as quote a milkshake thick pace which <laughs> <laughs> i just yeah. wrote down that they it sounds slower than usual but I, that sounds a lot better than than me
1: yeah like, <laughs> the people that write those jam chart uh descriptions get get pretty uh creative <laughs> with the way they describe them but you're right it, it's slower but i think that especially when the jam starts it uh it really opens up a lot of room for all of them, and then this and this is probably my highlight of the first set. I think it builds to like a incredible you said guitar screeches at 1115 um, yeah it builds to just like a whole band peak and then really seamlessly segues back in.
0: out there listening who hasn't been a guest on the show when I write out notes for a show I just it's kind of like a stream of consciousness while I'm listening I just write and write and write and I highlight timestamps for things that catch my attention when I look over this sand it's like seven and a half minutes eight and a half minutes nine minutes 15 seconds 11 minutes 15 seconds like there's too much here to break down there's
1: there's a lot yeah Um, and I'm trying to look, I have, I guess, pretty similar, uh, notes to what you have, but there, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of different changes within every minute.
0: I think the biggest change that I really enjoyed is around, I think what you just mentioned, the 11 minutes and 15 seconds where Trey's guitar is getting higher and higher pitched. And then it brings everything to a peak and the crowd is what makes it. The band is great, of course, but the crowd really recognizes what's happening on stage. And to have an almost 15 minute sand right in the beginning of the first set, it it, it sends a signal.
1: Yeah. No, it definitely does. And this I think that this three song stretch is uh one of the stronger, of course, we're on attendance bias, so I won't. You know. <laughs> You don't have to say
0: anything here. We're in <laughs> a safe space.
1: It's one I mean it's one of the uh, I think it's one of the stronger openings there's been in a while. Just in terms of everything's played really well, the jams all go through some go through their paces and into some interesting territory. I think it's a very strong opening to the
0: show. I agree with you. And to cool things down, they play Lawn Boy, which is typical, nothing crazy. And then we are come to outlive our brains. And tell me if you agree with this. I thought for the first minute or so that something was off. I'm not nitpicking. I'm just saying. I don't. I. I think it's the drum beat. I think of all people, it might be Fishman. Am
1: I crazy or am I right? I. I don't know. There, there is a few songs uh, coming up that might be a little off, but I didn't. I didn't really hear it in this one. And I haven't listened to many versions of this song. I thought that this was a great placement for this song. I wasn't too familiar with it. And it's just kind of a relaxed vibe after, uh, after Long Boy and after that crazy opener.
0: Yeah, I don't think that they've played it that often. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll do this for the fact check, but I wouldn't be surprised if they played the song less than five times.
1: Yeah, you, you might be right. Because I, I mean, I know a lot of the, Kazmat Vox songs, and this one was not one that that really jumped out to me. So,
0: well, we'll find out a little bit later. But well, <laughs> let's let's push this out of the way because the next song was my highlight of this first set. Having not been at the show, just listening after the fact, man, did I rewind and press play again on <laughs> t- on tube several times? This is wonderful. It has the same kind of slower than usual pace as Sand. But to your point earlier, they really make use of that slower pace and fill in the spaces very well as a full group. Loved it. Definitely. I
1: I do remember during this specifically, um, this jam, uh, Mike and uh, Fish really stuck out to me while I was there. It just felt like, you know, when they get into those uh, slower, sort of thicker jams, it seems like those two really stand out. And uh, I was I was really loving this one.
0: I was, too. I have sentimental reasons for liking tube. But since the Baker's Dozen, I think it was, they really broke it out because it used to be it starting in 97, kind of a big jam anticipator, like a vehicle. And
1: yeah. then
0: once they came back in 3.0, it was less so. It was like a four minute song and then the Baker's dozen unless someone out there has another suggestion before 2017, they really cracked it open again and now it's when they tar- when they start tube, it's all right let's go for it I'm excited again
1: The Baker's Dozen version is awesome. Uh, but I was going to ask, did you see any of those 97 tubes, the big ones?
0: Yes, I saw my first show was December 29th, 97, which <laughs> I would argue because of attendance bias, but also I hope because of objectivity. I think that's the best tube they've ever played.
1: It's either that or Dayton.
0: Yeah, and they, they, <laughs> they, they came 20 days apart.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I love both of those. I couldn't pick.
0: Okay. I like Dayton. I, it's, I don't even think it's so much of a, uh, a competition. To me, Dayton really broke the mold really well, especially with the stop-start jamming with Tube. I think December 29th built on it, on Dayton, and improved it. I think you're, it's better.
1: You're right. I, I need to go back, and it's been a while since I've listened to both of those, but I need to go back. Um, well, like it's i it's happy listening. I love them <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah I think, I think they're both incredible. We'll they are the other. Yeah. They
0: are both incredible. One does not take away from the other. Uh, but after this excellent two back on August 6th, 21, they played Nellie King, Usual Fish Bluegrass. That's li- literally what I wrote, but you have a lot more to say. You cause you mentioned John Denver, you mentioned a little bit more traditional music at the beginning yeah. of this chat. Is bluegrass or you said country, right? That's part of your background.
1: Yeah, blue bluegrass, bluegrass fish was always something that I that was something I didn't figure out about immediately. But as soon as I found out about it, I was like, oh, this is a nice touch that they do bluegrass songs. So it was kind of odd, but I'm a huge fan of fish bluegrass. Um, and I love ginseng Sullivan. And I've always thought that ginseng Sullivan and Nellie Kane were about the same song uh, or like kind pretty, of are. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, um, and I mean, I wrote down in the notes apparently Nellie Kane is in an D and Jim Singh Sullivan is an E. But no, I was I was happy to, to hear this song. Always a fan of Fish Bluegrass.
0: After Nellie Kane is Horn, and I had the thought while listening to this that the first half of this set is extremely jam-heavy. And then after tube, they kind of got into a song-by-song song attitude where it's one song at a time. We kind of we're a little jammed out, but for this set, it kind of turned into a a jukebox set, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I, it kind of stunned me a little bit from, I got into one groove while listening and then it kind of had to change my attitude while listening to the second half of this set.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, it kind of, I guess they could have, they could have powered through and uh, just jammed everything out to the max, but they did have a, They had a grouping of songs here in the middle that is just kind of songy. And I guess that fits a first set. It's fine. After what they did at the start, I wasn't complaining.
0: Yeah, no complaints. You're (laughs) absolutely right. Anyone who would have left after Tube could have gone home happy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And again, they played next up Rift and The Wedge. I heard some, some goofs all around. Did you hear the same thing?
1: Yeah, yeah and rift i i remember rift specifically being pretty tough for trey
0: <laughs> yeah uh
1: there is and he kind of picks it back up in the second half of that song but there's there's some pretty noticeable flubs uh and you wrote down is riff beyond trey on guitar and i don't know the answer to that question but it, it kind of seems like
0: it. it it seems like it more than it doesn't unfortunately <laughs> these days yeah I mean, I, I think you're right. I don't have much else to have. Although it's notable that during the wedge, in the middle of one of the choruses, I think it is Trey says the limestone capital of the world. Did yeah. you know what he was talking about? I looked it up, but do you know? I had no
1: idea. <laughs> I I saw your I saw your fun fact there. And
0: yeah, uh, I looked it up, and apparently Bedford, Indiana. Is the limestone capital of the world, self-proclaimed? But it's two hours away.
1: It's very interesting. It made, it made me makes me think that he definitely had in mind to play the wedge, and he had he had that very much in mind. I, I don't know how you would just pull that out of nowhere.
0: No, you're totally right. It was locked and loaded. It's just so funny when I looked it up. I thought it was going to be uh, Deer Creek or what's the name of the town that it's in. Noblesville. Noblesville, of course. I thought it would be Noblesville, the limestone capital of the world. <laughs> and then when I looked it up and this town Bedford is two hours away, that's like if Trey made reference to Hartford while playing in New York City.
1: Yeah, it's it's a long way away. I, I don't, uh, I had never heard of that. I I guess just because of how spread out everything is up there, it makes a little bit more sense. But I mean, even still, very, very yeah. random reference there
0: no geographically you're right you could drive four hours in any direction and not hit anything yeah when you're in certain parts of the midwest but if you're in the northeast you know you can't spit without hitting another major city
1: 30 minutes away is another
0: huge town yeah and then they closed the first set with walls of the cave of course they did (laughs) right and so You're earlier, not- my controversial opinion is that I don't like Walls of the Cave very much, and you were saying we'll get there. So we're here. You tell me.
1: I love Walls of the Cave. I think I think Round Room is one of my favorite studio albums by them, and Walls of the Cave in particular is like maybe my favorite song on that album. So we we probably differ here a lot. I I really like the way that. Uh, It's kind of like slow at first and then it transitions into that uh, kind of rocking silent trees section that usually leads into a good gym.
0: That seems to be a running narration of this show that their tempo is a little bit slower, but they always close big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious what your uh, objection to Walls of the Cave is.
0: I've been asked this a number of times. I think I'll boil down my answer to... The verses, the I'm leaving you a message, I'm leaving you a I don't know. I think that part sounds very contrived. I not a big fan of it. I like the opening piano line and the woodblocks, and yeah. I love the silent trees part. It's yeah. that middle section. It's as if 3.0 Trey took his <laughs> uh you know, love and light and the church of Trey lyrics. and kind of put them into 2.0 and that's how it came out in a blender i wasn't prepared for it i think i was 21 or yeah i was 21 or 20 when round room came back uh, opened and they came back from their hiatus and i was so excited to hear their new music Mm -hmm. and that's what i got and i was like my shoulders slumped i can remember it right now
1: yeah i won't i won't argue with you that it's sort of uh it is sort of like the like you said the Church of Trey lyrics there at the start. I think really the silent trees part is is what I love, but I yeah. do like the song as a whole. Yeah,
0: yeah, and there and that's not nothing, by the way. You know, I've been listening, I've been hearing this song now for nineteen years. I guess right next year will be yeah. will be twenty. There's something about that build up, that silent trees, the end. I even noted it in our notes. Uh, I wrote that there's an extra big buildup at six and a half minutes and it seems spontaneous. It obviously isn't. This is a well-practiced, rehearsed, well-oiled machine of a band, but it just seems it's incredible how spontaneously and quote easily they can whip the crowd up into a frenzy and they do it here.
1: Very. Yeah. Very easily. was a very rocking way to end the first set (laughs) that's all yeah i mean they just they go all out from
0: the start of the silent trees part talking about going in with water you need a drink after this definitely (laughs) do you remember set break do you remember how it felt how you were feeling
1: um i felt very content and happy with the uh with the first set and i was just i mean I think we just sat down and kind of soaked in the atmosphere. That was, that was about it.
0: And you were on the lawn.
1: Yep. (laughs) Always.
0: Hi everyone out there. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode with Drew Pletner so far and getting ready for the second set. I just wanted to take this opportunity, number one, of course, to thank you for always listening. And number two, to let you know that the best way you could possibly support attendance bias is to donate a little bit to our operating costs. This is the only advertisement you will ever hear on attendance bias, as the operating costs of the podcast which are kind of significant, all come out of my pocket and from donations from fans. If you have some spare change lying around or feel motivated to donate anything, if you could please go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias, you could choose to donate as much or as little as you can. And please know that every single penny is going toward the operating costs of attendance bias. Since I first set up that account at, I believe it was the beginning of this year, 2022, Gotten about half the amount of money it takes to operate attendance bias over the course of a year, and that's more than I ever could have expected, and I'm a thousand percent grateful. So if you haven't donated yet and you have a few extra dollars in your back pocket you'd like to throw it toward the podcast, go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of today's episode. Set two the second set opened with ACDC bag, which I liked because I'm a big nerd. I'm one of those guys who thinks fish is serious business. I like that they opened a second set with a song that almost always opens a first set because a jammed out ACDC bag is very exciting to old fans like me. <laughs> it takes us back.
1: It would have been, it would have been exciting to me. Honestly, when they started playing that, it got my uh got the wheels turning on is is this going to be the time that they play another like 20 minute ACDC bag and that wasn't the case but it was fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it could have been and that's the exciting part (laughs) it could have been you're right it's almost like being a gambler you know the excitement and I'm not a gambler but from what I understand the excitement in gambling is the the thrill that you might win not that you do win but you know, that you might get there when the, the roulette wheel is turning and the, the marble starts slowing down. It's like, <gasps> that's the exciting that's, part.
1: That's an interesting point. I've never thought about it that way, but that's very much the way I view a face
0: show when I'm there. Right. What they could do. Not always what they do, <laughs> but what could happen. Right. Right. And that ECDC bag doesn't jam for so long. But the next song, wow, does it ever. A 27 very. minute blaze on.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, I was a little disappointed when they started Blazon because I don't love Blazon. <laughs> Um, and I was like, uh, I don't know, I was maybe hoping for something more, but I mean, after this, I'm honestly kind of a fan of Blazon now, it's crazy <laughs> how, one, how one version of a song can change that for you.
0: It only takes one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, wow, this one is just, I mean, it goes so many places.
0: Did it make you less receptive to the jam because it was coming out of Blazon?
1: Maybe at the start, and then I think as it developed, I was like, wow, this is the real deal.
0: I'm gonna throw a philosophical question at you. So, I was listening to the Helping Friendly podcast today, uh, friends of mine and friends of the podcast. The question was, do set lists matter if they play well? What do you think?
1: Mm. Yeah. I it think does. Okay. I think I think they do, and I hate to say that because I want to say that they don't, but I think that what songs they play, first of all, I think that when they have a history with songs like I mean Tweezer has some songs have a higher batting average than other songs. And when they know when they know what they're doing with a song, I think that they're confident in it. And that's not to say that a lot of the newer songs are bad, and there certainly shows where those songs stand out, but I think set list does kind of matter.
0: This Blazon, even though it wasn't your favorite, it continued the trend of this show of starting slower as a tempo and then gradually developing a lot more energy and experimentation. I wrote at seven minutes, it gets a little sinister, which is not a word I use for Blazon. definitely not and it goes places at around nine minutes i love that Paige is leading the way during this jam with his synthesizer i think that's a big proponent of
1: 4.0 yeah definitely i think that this and this jam in particular i think that he's front and center pretty much the whole time and yeah in all the shows i've been to last year and this year Paige has really stood out to me
0: It's for the better. It's, you know, there were bands, a lot of jam bands, especially that were focusing with synthesizers 20 years ago during their hiatus. And it feels like Fish just kind of caught up. I know they played around with it in like late 1.0 and like 1999 and 2000. There was some synthesizer work. Not a ton, though, but here in 2021, 2022, this is a starring effort from Page exclusively. Definitely. I
1: mean, it it really, it really has changed the whole, and I think especially the Bakers doesn't really broke that out. Um, A lot lot of those jams were sent heavy for Page, but I mean, it really gives the band a whole new sound and really opens it up.
0: And the undervalued MVP of this jam, I think, is Fishman, because he keeps the beat almost the entire time. So that frees everyone else up. Yeah
1: kind of a, a, a patient fisherman which yeah maybe is not always the case but.
0: Patience is the name of the game at this show. It seems, you know, it's not just tempo tempo is like the easy crutch word, but tempo breeds patience. If you can hold on to a simple tempo or if you can hold on to a, a I'm I'm stumbling here, (laughs) a consistent tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, You're right. And everything gets very quiet around 20 minutes. They're at, you can almost hear that they're at an intersection. Like they're trying to decide where do we go next? I thought that they're going to go to Sparks. I know that they didn't, but it sounds like they could have. And then there's a new groove all of a sudden at 22 minutes. All of a sudden, Fish is a Calypso band.
1: Yeah, it gets, gosh, I wish, for some reason in my head, I can't, I can't picture what this sounds like right now. But I remember the end of this jam, and then going back into Blaze On was just incredible. Maybe my favorite part of the jam, honestly.
0: I think so, too. It's very user friendly. The end of the jam. It reminded me of the Tahoe Tweezer from 2013, where it's a lot of guitar work, a lot like the band coalesces. They come back together to an easy rhythm or an easy to like rhythm, at least. What a save is what I wrote.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And once that is over, that tremendous plays on. They play Wilson, which normally like Long Boy earlier in the show, we'd call it a landing pad. But Wilson isn't that relaxed. It's not a landing pad.
1: No, definitely not. I mean, I, I remember the crowd, you know, everybody was worked up after that. We knew that was an incredible jam and then Wilson just kept the energy very high.
0: And if Blaze is the highlight of the set in my opinion of the show, Simple which comes next is a very close second place.
1: Simple Simple is my highlight of the show. Yeah, tell me why. I'll say that, that this, this one really blew me away. I mean, I love, I love simple anyway, but um, I mean, it's, I wrote down it's pretty much everything I look for in a fish jam. I mean, they're, they're coherent. Fishman is going crazy. Rhythm is off the charts. They're just, it seemed like, and it seemed like they plateaued for about seven minutes and we're just keeping like the same intensity which i love there was no there was no ups and downs which can be awesome but that's my favorite type of jamming
0: yeah it's tantric fish
1: right yeah you know,
0: they they get to a point like we just said during the blaze on where there's a point where they're at an intersection an audio intersection that didn't happen here
1: no it didn't they <laughs> they seem they seem content uh Probably from around the 12 minute mark and until the end. I mean, it was just pedal to the metal the whole time.
0: I agree. I agree. 12 minutes is where my notes got a lot more intense although some of my phrases are uh this is not self-serving. Uh they serve the audience and the music. I wrote I do not have vocabulary for this. Yeah. Uh, and then wow 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 three times all caps.
1: <laughs> yeah. Your your reactions really sum it up really well. I mean, it was it was awesome. Everybody was blown away. And, and there's the- over
0: a minute of a pause when it's over.
1: There is and uh <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I guess you've heard this in the recording, but Fishman he had his yeah sample uh that whole summer and after like a minute of applause and silence from the band, he just hit yeah and, <laughs> <laughs> and then 10 seconds later in the Harry Hood.
0: Yeah, Harry Hood, what a call. Yeah, what a call.
1: I, I know that it and that's I mean that's one of my favorites. And I was so happy when they started that up. It was like, I mean, they already gave me everything I could ask for, but for this to happen.
0: I have the same thought a year later as a listener that they are a typical jam, but they don't owe us anything.
1: No, (laughs) they didn't at that point. It was just like, it was like, even while I was there, I mean, obviously you want a big hood that goes crazy, but even while I was there, I was like, we're just, this is just perfect.
0: And they closed the whole show before the encore, at least the second set, they closed with, I never needed you like this before, which you got to close with an arena rocker these days, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I, I like, we kind of mentioned some of the new songs earlier in the show. I like this one in particular. I think, I think it's a really Good song, and I, I don't know, you might have a different opinion, but
0: you know what? They've grown on me a lot. A lot of these 3.0 um Church of Trey, I by the way, I borrow that phrase. That's not mine. That's from some of my friends at the Stub Me Down podcast. Uh use that phrase, Church of Trey. And I think we all know what that entails. Uh, th- those have grown on me more than some 2.0 songs, to be honest. You know, I'll take I never needed you like this before, or more more than I would waves or sense and subtle sounds. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, w- I would agree.
0: Um, maybe not on record, maybe not on, on okay. CD, if those existed still. But as far as live experience goes, I love the feeling, and maybe it's because I live so close to Madison Square Garden and I've seen them so many times there, the feeling of a whole arena singing along and pounding their fists to a good sing-along chorus like this, there's nothing like it. It defines some I of mean- my experience with Fish.
1: Yeah, it's it's still like you said, fish is serious business. And <laughs> everybody, everybody loves to, you know, we like to dissect all the jams, but it's still a rock show, and it's still awesome to sing to all those parts. Everybody knows it. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: And they get off after I need I never needed you like this before. The encore, they come back with sanity, and I didn't know what this means. But Trey said I've been thinking about this one a lot.
1: Yeah, I get it. I guess it was maybe a reference to COVID. We were still kind of coming out of COVID. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I don't know.
0: yeah. And after that, unusual for an encore, they play limb by limb, which I looked up. If my fact check is correct, the last time they played it as an encore was June 10th, 2000 in Japan.
1: Yeah, that's, I had no idea that that was the case. That's a crazy fact, if so.
0: Yeah, it just sounded very unusual to me
1: um, yeah yeah and i mean it is pretty i when i think of win by limb i think of just like fourth song in the first set. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: exactly <laughs> just like yeah point know, for drew i agree they're,
1: they're gonna uh they're gonna play this and then they're gonna jam for four minutes maybe and then go to the next one but yeah no and and the encore very very unusual yeah
0: well, they, this one is short. I don't have the, the track timing on me now, but I think I looked it up. I think it's shorter than the studio version.
1: Yeah. This I meant, one is. I meant to check that, actually, and I didn't. But, yeah, it was, I mean, it was around, like, six, six and a half minutes. It was yeah. like pretty short,
0: yeah. And finally, to close the whole show, another <laughs> sing-along 3.0 or 4.0. Yeah. this is 3.0 another sing-along arena rock favorite say it to me santos which in my opinion it it fits anywhere it could open a show it could close a show it could be in the middle of a first or second set it's always welcome
1: you're right i mean just recently and i forget what show it was i think it was maybe a jones Beach show but it was in the like it was the third song of that show and it rocked and it was the last song in this show and it rocked i mean yeah it fits perfectly
0: and so in this run of Deer Creek, there were two shows this year in 2021? There were three shows. Three. And
1: I, did, I didn't go to the Sunday show because I had to get back home. So there was a Saturday show and a Sunday show.
0: So this was which?
1: This was Friday.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah
1: sorry, you, so there was, I went to the Saturday show as well.
0: So you must have walked out of here stoked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like after that, that And I was like, and we have another night of this. (laughs) Like, that was what I was thinking. And the next night was awesome also. It, It wasn't this night, but it was still awesome.
0: So let me ask, last question. When you were thinking of a show to pick and discuss on this podcast, what gave this one the edge over the next night?
1: I think it being the first show that I went to. I mean, like, the next night, I remember I was, I was like, pretty relaxed and like just ready to kind of soak it all in. But this night, I mean, my heart was like pounding (laughs) because it was like my first show I had seen, like really knowing my stuff and just like so excited. Um, And this show holds extra meaning to me for that reason.
0: Drew Pletner, thanks so much for coming on attendance by us. And bringing the energy, bringing the excitement and the charm to talk about August 6th, 2021 at Deer Creek, a show that previously I was unaware of. And man, I am completely aware of it now to the best degree. So thank you.
1: Of course. I I mean, thank you for having me on. I've been a longtime listener. It's one of my favorite fish podcasts. I love it. Thank you.
0: Attendance bias fact check. Drew and I were pretty on point for today's episode, but there are just a few things to double check. First, at the time of this recording, Drew's most recent show he says was quote last Saturday at Merryweather Post. For the record, that was on July thirtieth, twenty twenty two. Checking on Google Maps, it turns out that my sense of American geography is way, way off. I thought that a drive from Charlotte to Deer Creek would be twenty hours. But at the time I searched on Google Maps, a one-shot drive from one location to the other would take approximately nine hours. Drew said about ten, so he's much more on point. In regards to We Have Come to Outlive Our Brains, I guess that Fish has played the song fewer than five times, but I was wrong about that. At the time of this recording, they have played the song nine times since its debut, with the one at this Deer Creek show being the most recent. When it comes to limb-by-limb, limb, the performance at this show is 6 minutes and 21 seconds long. The studio version of the song is only 3 minutes and 32 seconds, so I was way off when I thought that the studio album was 7 minutes and longer than this performance. But that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Drew Plettner for joining me today, Fish.net for their help with the fact check, and Fish.in for the recording used in today's episode. If you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show by leaving a rating and a review of it on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow Attendance Bias on social media, mostly Instagram and Twitter. If you reach out and say hi, I'll send you a free sticker. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week on Attendance Bias.